television while you put my lights out but see i'm back and i'm standing and you and i are going to face each other what you got around your waist i want real bad and i think it's a disgrace for this country to have a russian as a united states heavyweight champion now i took three of you to get the job done on ronnie garvin obviously you're scared of something well i'm going to tell you you're going to have to prove to me that you are a superior athlete like you say the only thing superior about you is i find out that you go go to sleep a little quicker than anybody else when i hit you with a right hand well i'm going to tell you something i'm going to walk that aisle step in that ring and i'm coming after you to get what you got around your waist and you're going to have to prove to me that you're a man let's bring in the world tag team champions the rock and roll express defending the titles against ivan kolov and crusher khrushchev yeah you're talking about the russians they want something that belongs to us i'm talking about the nwa world tag team title you see russians we went round and round before and it will be no different right here tonight in the 80s so right there in cincinnati guys come on down the people stick behind the rock and roll express we're going to put your shoulders down for the one, two, three count, Tony. That's right, Tony. The Cincinnati Gardens, baby. We're going to be there. I'm talking about USA style against the Russians. And which you before, we defeated the Russians for these belts twice. Right here in Cincinnati, brother, it's your time. You're up for the grabs for these belts. And we're going to be there at 110% because, baby, we're talking about rocking in the USA. Woo! Nature Boy Rick Flair defends the NWA World Heavyweight title again. Well, what do you think, Andrew? We were on the number one broadcast out of Long Island in New York. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show, baby. Brother, daddy, daddy, brother. You know it. This is Gangrel, and you're fanging and banging to Long Island's number one pro wrestling podcast, Monty and the Pharaoh. We're Money, Inc., and you're watching Long Island's number one wrestling broadcast with Monty and the Pharaoh. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Pharaoh, only seen here out of Indie Music TV in Ron Konkoma, Long Island. Show number two on a Sunday. Matt, great job on show number one with Ronnie Garvin. Thank you. It was a blast. Did you learn anything, youngster, about <laughs> wrestling with the uh, older icon, Ronnie Garvin? Um, well, you know, I gotta say, not really taking any lessons here. <laughs> oh, I guess you're not just... just buttons to push. Sorry. He's yeah. concentrating. If anyone didn't know, to start a show, Mr. Jimmy Farrow. Jimmy, how'd you like the Ronnie Garvin interview, buddy? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. What a pleasant surprise. He was a great interview and a good dude. That was fantastic. So if it doesn't get any better, we've got the oh. nine-time NWA Tag Team Champions in studio and pro wrestling icons. It just gets better and better. But before we get to him, so we got coronavirus yeah. No, you had you had coronavirus. I did. And you but, got rid but, of it. But we're talking about coronavirus in this country. Okay. Right? 
All right. People getting sprayed with acid in their face. What? Oh, yeah. You don't know about that? Wait a minute. Is it the good acid that I no, used to take in the, the 80s? No, not the acid you used to take. The shit oh, that, like, no. burns your skin no, and makes you into a monster. Oh, that's... Who's doing that? What are they doing that for? I guess to burn people's faces. That's know. that's very productive. Right? That sounds awful. Go on. Derek Chavon gets convicted. I think, think he's, I'm saying his name right. Gets okay. convicted okay. Tuesday in all counts on the death of George Floyd. Yeah, we know about that. Go on. Yeah. And the breaking news and today's morning news is yeah. the cops have recovered the missing stormtrooper statue. Wait a minute. Stormtrooper? Yeah, that's like right. Star Wars? That's right. Someone stole a storm stormtrooper uh, statue. But, but they got it back. They got it back? They recovered it? They recovered oh, it. Oh, thank so God. Things May are the force important. be with you. Oh, thank God. Just, you know, if this is news? What is If anyone thought this country wasn't jacked up, it just keeps getting worse and worse oh, by the day. This is terrible. Anyways. So... All the fans out there, you've been waiting for it. The two greatest broadcasters are meeting the what? two the, the greatest tag team, that's, which many feel, including true, yeah. ourselves, of all time, oh my sitting God. on the couch. But before we get to them, I'd like to thank the band who sings the theme song for Monty Nefaro. Our own Jimmy Farrell, along with his partner, Bart Griggs, make up this band with Stereo Hall. It's rock and roll. It is rock and roll. There you go. Is it rock and roll? Well, I guess it's rock. I don't know how much Maybe rolling we do. Maybe you a deal where you ask them to play your song for their upcoming events when what? they go out to wrestle. See, I'm smart. I'm a businessman. I'm thinking oh about this all God. the time. Yeah, I'll do the begging off screen. Oh, please. Catch your cereal songs. And, uh, <laughs> their theme song, our theme song, Riding High in My Dreams This Life, Not Far Behind, Here Comes a Rain. Spotify, iTunes, and Reverb Nation. And also go to the Wisteria Hall YouTube page. Hit your like and subscribe button. Thank you, thank you. If you don't know it, you're watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, seen only here on YouTube, Facebook Live. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Twitch TV, the Monty Nefaro page, Channel 115 every Tuesday from 7 to 7.30 in the compressed. Okay. Compressed That's work for better than you calling it reduced. Where you'll okay. catch uh, the Rock and Roll Express <laughs> in this con condensed video. Thank you. Thank and for you. early risers, Saturday at 6 a.m. to 6.30 on Channel 115 and Channel 20 for rockers like yourself in the Rock and Roll Express yeah. on Channel 20, 2 a.m. to 2.30. We'll go. be right back with the nine-time NWA Tag Team Champions. The Rock and Roll Express. See you in a sec. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. Jimmy, I just got the best hookup on tickets. Hmm, fill me in. I went to www.seatslinks.com and ordered the best tickets with the best prices. Call 718-676-0504. Seatslink, the complete ticket experience. Tell them Charles sent you. You want to star in your own success? Call QuickCast. www.quickcast.com. 866-7-CAST-NOW. That's 866-7-CAST-NOW. QuickCast. Star in your own success. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, filmed here out of Indie Music TV in Ron Compton, Long Island. What an honor. The Rock and Roll Express are in the house, baby. What's up, guys? So glad that you guys can make it. What an honor. Amanda, thank you all for having us here today. You know, I'm laid back on this couch here, and 
I had me a sip of that good fucking wine. I'm thinking about taking a nap. I don't know. <laughs> I told no, you to very the wine after. Very comfortable. Thank you. It's great to have you. Kick it off, Mikey. So, how does it feel coming back to New York? You were around the fans uh, yesterday. You actually wrestled in a wrestling match. Uh, how are the fans' reception towards you guys? Is it still the same? How does it feel? Well, but, man, you know what? As, as you can tell from this accent that I, I am from New York City. But, <laughs> Brooklyn, <laughs> you know, right? down Brooklyn. south. Um, <laughs> down south, it's, uh, you know, a lot of things are open. Uh, but it, no, coming back up here, gosh, you know, this is a, a part, you know, New York and Jersey. It's a big part of our wrestling business, you know, and uh, it's always a pleasure to come back. Uh, you know, uh, not long ago I was here in town and, uh, you know, like I said, things are different. And I'm going into a building and I, and I open a door for the lady behind me. And she stops and points that finger at me. She goes, I'm not tipping you. And I went, I'm sorry. She goes, oh, you're from down south. Thank you. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, but she probably I, didn't know what to do. We don't oh, do yes. that in New York. We don't hold doors. We slam doors. Yeah, okay. I got you. Great. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you all guys for having us here. Thank you for being here. It's you, brother. Uh, well, I guess let's just start with the uh, very beginning. How's it all start for you guys to getting into wrestling? How does how does it begin? How does it begin? I started training when I was about ten. My brother was six years ahead of me, Rick Gibson, and uh, I, I turned pro at seventeen. Ten years old. We're both started training. Both we're both from wrestling families. Right. So he's talking about his brother Ricky. Sure. Uh, Ricky and Robert Gibson. Uh, professional wrestler. My dad was a professional wrestler and I grew up in the business. Uh, it was our thing, you know, me and my four brothers, we had to help our dad pull the ring, set it up. That was his job. Uh, and after all the years of being in which my four brothers would had their own destiny, but professional wrestling, uh, I loved it. And, and at that time it was when the business was really changing to a whole different seat. Sure. But that's how we got started, right? We're both from wrestling families. I knew Robert when he was with his brother. And then, uh, you know, and it's one thing about our business is being at the right place at the right time. Of course. And uh, me and Robert were at the right place at the right time. So you and both never had any other aspirations? It was wrestling, right, from almost yeah. day one. Since both I was a kid, you. I knew I was going to be a heavyweight champion. There you go. Interesting. Oh, well, you know, Followed my dreams. That was our dream. Our you dream was it. to be yeah. what we are, and it and it came true. Well, I remember back in the day they said rock and roll. Y'all, y'all guys never be world champions because y'all too small. Mm. How long did we do it once? We did it nine different times. Who said something like that to you? All the big guys. All the big guys, huh? Well, a lot did you of laugh the at them on the way out the door. Oh well, yeah. you've been laughing for uh, thirty-eight years now. <laughs> But but understand our, our business changed. Of course. And now it, it is for the good because you have your your big companies mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. But see the one thing that was bad about our business is when it was territory wrestling. Okay. And the reason you wouldn't make it is because either your top baby face, if you understand what I'm talking about, sure. or your top heel on the territory. And I promise you, you weren't going to get over him. Mm-hmm. And that's what was bad about our business. But what was good, you could have a good run there. Now, see, my dad always told me, 
going on. He says, listen to me, tag team wrestling is where you need to go. He said, because you're not going to get over the top baby face of the territory. He owns it. He's not going to let you get over him. But tag team wrestling, you know, that you get a hell of a push, especially mm-hmm. if you're a baby face tag team. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it worked. And I listened to my dad, and 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 I followed. You know, in starting in this business, he, he explained stuff to me. Well, I'm going to tell you this, but I'd be better off talking to that wall because you're not going to understand a damn thing I'm telling to you, telling you. But it will hit you one day, and then and, and which it did. Uh, but see, uh, uh, like I said earlier, Robert and I were at the right place at the right time. Right when this business was changing, sure, and it went from your uh, your big guys to the smaller guys. And, and to tell you an example of that, y'all might have to tell me to shut up over here, but I keep talking. Oh, no, by all means, uh, Robert and I uh, see Bill Watts on Mid South in Louisiana, and see Bill Watts was a big guy. He's six eight, six nine. I met first met Bill Watts when I worked for Leroy McGurk, uh, like six or seven years before that and he couldn't believe I was a professional wrestler I was too small okay. but he didn't know me then right uh, but see he's wanting to retire now listen to me he still wanted to own the territory but he didn't want a booker which is a booker puts the matches together because the booker pushes itself you see mm-hmm. he didn't want a booker that wrestled mm-hmm. so when Robert and I first go in to Louisiana now Abdullah the Butcher was the top babyface. You know why it was the top babyface besides the junkyard dog? It's because Bill Watts just got through beating him. They got a new heel coming in. So got to turn Abdullah babyface so that new heel can beat Abdullah for Bill Watts. That's just how our business works. Right, right. But it changed. Right. Uh, they brought Robert and I in. They shot videos of us, they, the ones out of Memphis had sent to her. And overnight, it's just overnight because it caught the attention of the wrestling world. You know, we, we went to a, a, a territory where we had to go to the bigger arenas. I mean, I'm talking the first two weeks in there. Mm-hmm. You guys got a crash course, huh? And I'm not sitting. I'm just telling people the truth about our wrestling business. But it took everybody in the territory to do this. But we broke. As soon as we got there in the first week, we broke every Elvis Presley record Mm. of attendance. There you go. Until they made the bigger buildings. And in in New Orleans, I tell you how big the crowds were. We had to go to the Superdome. Right. To wrestle. Right. I remember uh, those days. Sure. Sure. What was it like? Just that. <laughs> what, what was it like working with the Poffos back in the day? Randy, 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 yeah. Go ahead. They were good. Randy Savage and I were the first ones to ever break a table. And uh, that was a big old thick table. Randy, Randy. <laughs> back, back then, yeah. And, and I want to say this, too. <laughs> Memphis Territory. Uh, if you look in the in the later '80s and or everybody that was in WWF that were big names, they all come through Memphis, Tennessee, and that's where we come through. Randy was extremely 
he was phenomenal. Mm. Uh, Randy hit the his psychology and ring and, and everything he did. And Lanny, you know, they're they're brothers, but they have two total different personalities. True. Uh, you know, I, True. I love both of them. Mm-hmm. And being at the right place at the right time, I was telling you earlier, see, because we wasn't the top tag team in Memphis until it still didn't. We played second fiddle to the Fabulous Woods. But when I did the angle with Randy Savage, well, we didn't, it wasn't a planned angle. <laughs> he power drive me through the table and it broke, and I sewed it. Uh, do you know the language of our wrestling about settling it? Sure, sure. Okay, buddy, I sewed it. Randy was telling me, get up. I says, no, I'm not getting up. Man, we just went through a table. We broke this, uh, and I laid there. Now, that's not something you can practice, and this was an accident. How did you not break your neck? Oh, Randy, my God. This yeah. sounds well, really... Well, I got you. It, it just happened. Okay, and, and you, you know, went and with I it. And I wasn't hurt. And you went with it. And, and okay. So we're going to get into a lot of things here in a second. And to tell you about our business is to watch that and it happened and I sewed it so wow you know here's Jerry Jarrett and the booker and the, hell he brought us back with that and and all the towns gosh man what, you know, the, what did he say can you do it again that thing you did can you do it again you know that accident can you, y- y'all can demonstrate it on Robert if you like to <laughs> maybe uh, that table right here go the but, you know I have a really important question it's kind of towards Robert you know Lanny's been in the studio a couple of times and Lanny's known to have a big penis oh my god was your penis bigger than Lanny's I don't know I've never seen it what's that now <laughs> what, did oh, my. what kind of what did, what, what did you ask him? Uh, he asked him if he's got a larger member than Lanny. Who has, a bigger, who has a bigger team? I penis? have this question asked me all the time. All right. Ricky okay. Morton, what's the difference between you and Robert? Well, that's easy. I walk up and put it in. He puts it in and walks up. Does oh, that? <laughs> Holy toothstake. No, but hey, Robert. Uh, guys ask me, they say, uh, how come Robert walks around the dressing room naked? <laughs> I said, dude, if I had a dick like that, I'd wrestle naked. <laughs> But again, we ha- we've had Virgil in here, we've had Lanny, and now we have Robert. Who's got the bigger penis? What, what, why is the- oh, yeah. Does Lanny have a bigger member than Robert? Ro- Ronnie? Lanny Poffo. Lanny Poffo. <laughs> Does Lanny Poffo have a bigger penis than Robert? This is... <laughs> really? Uh, Maybe I'm he sure- hasn't looked either! What I the- don't remember. That's you don't want... Oh my god, now you're swearing it all. No, no, but seriously... <laughs> The heels, in our days, hmm. we kayfabed. We never dressed with the heels of the baby face. Right. We never rehearsed our matches. Right. Uh, right. It, it all happened in a ring. Right. So it's possible they might know about Jake's snake, but maybe not so much the other situation. Who's snake? <laughs> Jake's snake. <laughs> Jake's snake. I know Jake real good. Yeah, not, not a snake, though. So, no. so you guys mentioned you got into the industry, you were smaller guys. At what point does someone decide, hey, these guys are for real. I can make money with them. I don't care what size they are. Well, back back in the day, Eddie, Eddie Graham, they had a big show in Memphis where all the, all the promoters all the territories came to Memphis, and they were looking for new talent. And they, they were coming to look at the Fabs and all these other teams. But Eddie Graham was more or less head of the NWA. He told all the other promoters, he said, I don't know what y'all looking at. He said, with that team right there, the Rock and Roll Express, they came to get over that guy's going to be yeah. great, and they're going to be around for a long time. And, and what happened there, that's when Vince 
back then started uh, going out all over the world in the territories. So Eddie Graham, Vern Gagne, Jimmy Crockett, Bill Watts, uh, you know, Barnett, and uh, every territory. Kansas City, they all come to Memphis to do a big shot, to do a big tape, to go against Vince with, you know, and all this bullshit. But in Memphis on that Monday night, uh, Robert and I have uh, already gave our notice that we had a loser leave town on that Monday night against the Yikes. But on that Tuesday night, when they had the big show there, and uh, we wrestled the same two guys, and God, we tore the house down with them. And, and, and what Robert said, they had a big meeting. And they were and Jerry Jerry wanted to push the fabulous ones. Uh, you know, everybody wanted to push their top boys that was in the territory, and that's when Eddie Graham stood up and he and he said, I don't know what y'all talking about, guys. He said, But I watched the matches. He said, That one kid right there sewed for twenty minutes and never bar never buried his partner. He gave his partner a hot tag, the whole roof come off the building. He says, I don't know what y'all thinking, but them two boys right there are money, and that's and, and we was going to Bill Watts' territory, mm-hmm. and and Bill Watts was glad about it. I <laughs> you bet know? he was, and that's what we did. I bet uh, he was. You know, it's hard to be in a territory when when you're playing second fiddle to another tag team, right? You know, we live in a cutthroat business. Absolutely, uh, r- r- absolutely, really hard. and but but it just. Worked out so good. I got to ask you guys. Hulk, Hulk Hogan always gets a lot of heat behind the scenes for not being for being protective of his own image and not putting other people over and all this stuff. But it sounds to me like Dusty Rhodes was much worse when it came to selling to himself and protecting himself and not putting other people over. In my opinion, that takes money out of those people's pockets. So who's worse, Hulk Hogan, who gets all the hate, or Dusty Rhodes, who's beloved and seems to sound like a real... Okay. Sorry, Dusty, he's not with us anymore, but I wonder. Listen to me, bud. Sure, fire away. Uh, To me, Dusty Rhodes was the greatest mind ever in this business. And I'm telling you. Okay. Now, when you're a booker, you have things that you want to do in your head. Then you look around at your talent, and you're thinking, who can do this exactly the way he wanted it? Mm -hmm. Now, what was good about us, and Dusty told me this several times, when Dusty explained something to us, we didn't have to say, huh, do what? Mm-hmm. Understanding the angle, that's what makes a good work. See, a good worker in our business can work with anybody. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And is to tell that story the way he's got it in his mind, and that's what sells out. And don't get me wrong. Dusty, yeah, he pushed himself. But that son of a bitch was over, buddy. Of course. And it's not about that. When you're a booker or a territory, if you don't if you don't bring the territory up where it makes money, mm-hmm. well, you're going to lose your you're going to lose your damn job. Right. And then you're going to lose your reputation for being a booker. Dusty was good. Sure. And don't get me wrong. Sure. You know, you know, Dusty had his things, 
but Dusty had a reason to do that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I didn't go eat at Dusty's house supper every night. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. understand me? Yes. But I knew business. Right. You know, when he was in uh, Florida, yeah, he pushed himself because he knew what he wanted. And I guarantee you the shows sold out every week. Sure. sure. So if I wanted just to be to make this guy right here do this, I promise you, he's not going to do it the way that you're thinking that knows how to sell that building out. It's going to be half full. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. There's been a, go ahead. So I was going to ask you. So you mentioned Rhodes as being a great, great booker. How does he compare to Bill Watts? Uh, I never worked for Bill Watts when he's a booker. Bill Superstar Dundee was the booker when Robert and I went there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you did work not for Watts. I'm comparing myself to Bill Watts. Yeah, Bill Watts, Watts was a good booker, but Bill Watts pushed himself too. Mm-hmm. And he worked with big guys. Mm-hmm. So let me tell this to you now. When Robert and I went to Mid-South with Bill Dundee, the booker. Now, Bill Watts owned the territory 10 years before that. If you ever read his book, he made more money in that one year mm. than he did the whole 10 years mm. that he owned Louisiana. Mm. Does that answer your question? There you sure. go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I'm not here to... Listen, I'm one of the boys. I, I love everybody. Sure. Uh, I'm not here to knock you, but I'm here to tell the truth. He, he, was, he was talking something about Huck Hogan a while ago. You know, Huck Hogan wasn't the greatest worker in the world, and Huck Hogan didn't do this because you were in a position. But he was – Huck was smart. Dude, one thing that he did, and this is what the guys out there today don't understand – when you're big like Hogan and you're the top baby face in the world, when he stepped in a ring with his opponents, he made them look like they could kill him. Yep. And then he beat them at the end. Right. Then That's what got yep. Hulk Hogan over. See, Hulk Hogan did something that I did. He sewed. Sure. And in nowadays in our business, watch TV. You don't. I, I don't think they even have a baby face or heel no more, do they? I don't think yeah. they have that. It's no a big more. gray area. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, the guys, today if you're off, choreographed today. Yeah. Today, if you're off, and I'm here on TV, and I might as well plug it. I have a school of Morton. It comes live on YouTube every Sunday at 5:05. Go to School of Morton on YouTube and watch it. My TV show is based off old school. I get the heat on my heels, and I have my baby faces. You know. And what? Get a chance to watch it. Sure. It really blind, and I do so good at it. It's because I don't say old school and new school. I'm just saying the right damn way, <laughs> and, and that's what we do. We we done it the right damn way, and it is the right damn way, and it works. The greatest. Robert, you talk too much. It always still works. Hey, Robert talks too much. What, yeah. Rob, take it easy over there, will you? I guess. Yeah. The question. <laughs> The greatest, in my opinion, the greatest, and Mike and I used to debate back in the day, we were raised on the magazine days before the internet, we were able to stay in touch with what was going on with the Rock and Roll Express back in those days, before the internet with the pro wrestling magazines, and I've always felt this way, the greatest tag team rivalry in the history of this business, in my opinion, was, and I didn't even get to say it because we didn't have TV for it half the time. The Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express, wow. What a rivalry. But i got to ask you while I have you here, what was your favorite version of the Midnight Express uh, to work with? 
since there was more than you know. Well, yeah. Well, they're they're all good. Dennis and Bobby were great. Uh, Bobby and Dennis. Then you got Stan and Bobby. Did you have a preference? Was there more ma magic or chemistry with a certain combination of the Midnight Express? I think or? Dennis was the general of the Midnight, and Bobby was a. You know, but Bobby was great. But seeing what made our angle last so long, okay. That now, guy with the I'm racket, not, that guy with the tennis racket didn't hurt yes, either. <laughs> but with Jimmy Hornet, uh, and, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, and, and I don't care what people think. I mean, you have everything, but Robert and I, at that time, were the best true baby face team yep. there was. Now, it's a lot of saying, yep. not tag team, but the best baby face tag team. Mm -hmm. The Midnight Express was the best hill team in the world because of the great workers. But when Robert and I did our angle with Dennis and did like Robert said, Dennis was a general. He controlled everything. Matter of fact, he taught us all how to work, really. I mean, we knew how to work, but how to draw that money to put it in there. Conjury. Yes. Nice. But he made everything right because... Telling them stories to get it right, and, and that's where Bobby Eaton run. Bobby Eaton become one of the best workers in the business, but he learned a lot from Dennis. But you see, after you have a long feud like that, and then Dennis leaves, and here you go, you bring Stan Lane in. Now Stan Lane, I, I was saying this at that time. You know, he was a good-looking man mm -hmm. that knew how to play that part. That every guy out there that he was better than you. See what it did? It re-sparked. It re-sparked the thing with the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. It re-sparked everything. So now here we are. We're ready for another whole run. Uh, and I promise you, we will go down in here. I think we will. We'll go down in history as the best rival ever in professional wrestling because you guys wasn't there you, and you didn't know you when you went into the arenas and you seen this and when the midnight express come out this crowd man they be throwing shit you know boom <laughs> they're fighting way to the ring i watched sure. jimmy cornett this is a truth i watched him get his ass whooped so many times yeah, that he learned how to fight Right, you know, because you know you you don't like to fight. Finally, he had enough of that. Sure. He, oh yes. Sure. Shit, he knocks. Did he get good at fighting? Yes. Jim, nope. way to go! I didn't that. know he was a manager. You know, he there was out go. there. But nice. I, the, the the fans, they had so much heat. Jim Cornette had to put his back to the ring and yes. look at the fans. He must have, he must have feared for his life. To be very honest, from what I could tell, it must have been like scary getting to his car after. Oh, they man, they he hated never stopped till he got home. That's real heat. Yes. That's true, genuine wrestling heel heat, right yes, there. Yes, and, and I'm and I'm so we were, we were serious. In Louisiana, one time, Jim Cornette told a story. He said he's driving home, going to one of these little towns, and all of a sudden, a cop pulls him over. He thought, "What the hell? I ain't done nothing wrong. I'm real, I'm real careful, so I don't get pulled over." And the cop said, "Well, we got Dennis and Bobby back here. That you need to go back here and pick them up." <laughs> so Bob, uh, Jim turns around, drives back to the police station. Chief police, he walks in there. And chief police says, "Huh? So you're Jim Cornette? You're the guy that ethered the Rock and Roll Express?" <laughs> He's like, "Whoa! No, no. We saw how y'all screwed the Rock and Roll Express." Did they throw him in? The, did they throw him in a can? Huh? <laughs> no, no, they got him out. They came yeah. close though, right? Yeah. yeah. It was just a they had so much heat that the chief telling him, "Yeah."
Wow. But you see, at another thing that we did at that time, <laughs> and the smartest stuff in the world, I was telling you earlier, we kayfabed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really did. Yeah, it, it wasn't because, I mean, if you got caught talking to them or got caught around, You're you fired. got fired. Right. You're fired. So right. Right. I don't give a shit who you are. Right. Uh, right. But we had enough respect for our business. Our business was sacred. You didn't have the people today, you know. And nowadays, I, you go into the dressing room and hell, half the damn crowd's in the dressing room. Right. And, you know, and guys... This is good. We get back to it. I'm going to jump back to that limb you asked me about a while ago. Uh, you know, the guys even bring their girlfriends in there in the dressing room. I asked them, I said, well, you get your girlfriend in the dressing room. This is the man's dressing room. Well, you know, they say something out of their voice. You know, and I tell Robert, I said, Robert, get dressed. <laughs> yeah. Brother, take his pants off. There you go. Shit. There you they go. Get, they get them girlfriends out of there real quick. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Mine's like that, too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh, yeah. How about if I can get if I can get your thoughts on, because I do believe he's incredibly underrated, and I feel like history is almost like he's going under the radar as the years go by. How underrated was Bobby Eaton? I thought Bobby Eaton was fantastic. Do you, do you feel he's underrated a little bit over the years? Like, he doesn't get enough enough love? Because I feel like he doesn't. Well, That's just my know, opinion, of course. But, you know, thoughts on Bobby uh, Eaton? From the, from the real boys, he gets a lot of love. I bet he does. Uh, Bobby, I want you to stop and think about this. How many stories have you heard about Bobby Eaton? Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard anybody, no. any of the boys, say something bad to about him? Not yet. We've been no. doing this quite no. a while. Not a Nobody word. Nobody has. Yeah, not a word. Bobby is, I mean, he's, I, I love Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton. It was a pleasure he, working with him. Him and Jerry Lawler, I thought, Bobby being in the tag teams, and, and Jerry could tell some of the greatest stories in a match. Mm-hmm. Never was, and it's and it's not the big things; it's the little things that Bobby did in a match that caught your attention, because nobody else does stuff like that. Uh, and and all, Bobby was the greatest. But you, I don't know if it's because Cornette's got so much heat with the offices that they have to. I don't. I don't know. I love Jimmy Cornette too. I don't, I, you know, he. I don't care what he says of he. There's nothing he can say to make me not love him. I don't mm-hmm. care. He has his podcast and he blisters people's asses. He, he goes but, wild. Yes, he yeah, does. But he hates us, by the way. He Just does, throw that he, right he, in there. He, does he, he really? Blocked uh, us. He blocked us. Hi, Jim. Really? Yeah. How you doing, yeah. that buddy? Jim's not a fan. Why? Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, well, I don't know. You're ruining wrestling. But, Who's ruining wrestling? You. But me. But if Hi, nothing, Jim. Yeah, if anyway. nothing else, uh, but uh, nothing. But they did put him in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, Robert and I are going into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in October. Uh, one in Wichita Falls, Texas. It's a mm-hmm. great honor. Thank you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if nothing else, WWE. You know they don't got to put Cornette, but they need to bring the Midnight Express on stage. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and and they really need to have somebody there to tell them the greatest heel team oh, that ever. Was. 
performed. You're not going to get an argument right. I mean, from me. No this is what we're trying me. to do here, right? We're trying What's to. What's that? We're trying to educate the newer fans on icons like yourself that have made this business, and sometimes it just gets lost in translation. Okay, and I'm glad you said that, fella, because I've been watching wrestling, and I've been watching where they're going, and you know. And, and you and you see where Vince just let go twenty more people. And I'm sorry for the guys that there, but I think I think they're going to have to re-educate our fans all over again mm. because now if you watch TV, and I'm sorry to say this, I'm not knocking the guys, but holy shit, they all dress alike. They all got the you know the the rip bodies, which that's cool. I mean, you because you are professional wrestlers and you look good, but you still got to have your other ones. You you still got to have the guys with the gimmicks, uh, and you still got to learn how to get heat to make this pay per view next week something to watch. And the and the and the damn first thing they need to do is. It's don't let the people know what the finishes are. God damn, they already know everything before they go there. Or how about make it a little more realistic? Huh? How about make it more realistic? Yeah, bring back some realism. Okay. I want to feel like I'm watching a fight okay, with a purpose. Thank you. thank you for saying that. Please. Yeah. In my time, when I was in my prime, and I, I took pride in this, okay, my deal was to give Robert a hot tag. Best, he did the best comeback in the world. You understand me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd get annihilated. But be, okay, <laughs> but listen to me. If I can make the guy on the front row really believe what's happened to me is happening. Now I'm talking about, you know, if if you shoot me out of a fucking cannon, I'm not going to kick out on one. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Today's fan I mean, doesn't, but, but I do. See, now I'm thinking about him. <laughs> now just think when I'm wrestling. And Arn Anderson keeps asking me, and my nickname's Punky. Arn Anderson will be asking me, go, Punky, you okay? Are you hurt? Now, even the guy I'm wrestling thinks I'm hurt. Mm. So what the hell you think that guy way up in that sand? Oh, what the okay. hell you think that guy on TV saying? <clears throat> All right? Oh, yeah. And in our business, it's not about putting over or, or losing a match. It's a business. So you got to have a good guy and a bad guy. Huh? To draw money, you got to have a good guy. Man. Yes, but Absolutely. see, drawing money is a baby face. I don't want to win. You see, because if I win, what am I going to do next week? It's the chase. You understand? The chase. Okay. Well, the People work. pay to the, see me win. They right. don't pay to see me lose when you're a champion. Right. And if a heel screws you every week or every month or whatever you do, that's what puts asses back in the seats yeah. and it's hard but see i'm glad you said that because it's going to come a time when they're going to need people like that and finally i might get a damn job with <laughs> yeah. a big company in the back there you go. because i know that and there i know how go. to explain it to the guys i know what they're doing it on even on the independent circuit the guy asked me hey would you watch my match i say sure and i go out and watch it and he comes back and i said did you watch the match before you he goes, no. I said, well, you did the same damn thing. Mm. It's just a repeat mm. of everything. And it is like Robert and I nowadays, when we go on these independent shows, I was talking to Eric about this earlier. You know, I like to go on before intermission. 
because most of them are 27 matches. Uh, people sit there and see the same shit over and over and over. And nobody knows how to work the crowd. Nobody has to do this right here. And if we're on 27th, and I'm not, but they already got an autograph and they're gone. They're already drinking. Because it's 2 o'clock in the damn yeah. morning. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit no more. Right. But if you keep the people interested in the card, see, this is what was good in the old days. You had your opening matches that built up. Right. And then your semi-main event but, was an angle. But then again, the it was an exclusive deal. club, too. Now everybody and their brother can be a wrestler. I mean, shit, at my it age, I can like go that. pay $250. I want to be a wrestler. It feels like oh, that. Oh, yes, I got you. Yeah, it feels like that. <laughs> Everybody's crazy. a wrestler. Everybody comes up to you. And, they, and, they, and see, this is what kills me, too. They give you the wrestling handshake. It's what they think it's a wrestling handshake. Oh, right. They don't have a clue what that even means. And yeah, I did you have someone try to give you the wrestling hoodie? What's yeah, up, bro? Yeah, like, what was that? You know, look at, I'm, I'm going, what the What's fuck? Man, what are you doing? Uh, but they don't understand. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the main thing about the guys today. If if you got to break them into the business. See, I don't teach a headlock at my wrestling school. i got somebody else to do that. <laughs> I teach you how to understand our business, and then when it and that's the same thing I was telling my daddy. I, what I'm explaining to you right now, you I'll be better off talking at wall because you ain't gonna have a clue what I'm talking about until later on and then hit you. It will hit you like a brick, and, and it will. Mm-hmm. And see, that's what I try. You're like, damn, that's what daddy was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's mm-hmm. what I try to, to teach. My people at my what, restaurant. What's a, what's a greater battle, teaching the physical or teaching the psychological? It sounds like teaching the psychological. Psychology, psychological. You, you learn that by experiencing over and yes. over and over. That's how you yes. get when it comes to you. Interesting. You know, the physical part these days, that's some bullshit. You know. It's gymnastics for the well, most part. Let me part. ask you this. Does it get you mad? <clears throat> now, I'm, I'm pointing out AEW, for example. But a guy like Orange Cassidy comes out and makes a joke of the business, kicking you in a shin, has his hands in his pockets. As a, as a professional and a Hall of Famer like yourself, aren't you angry over this? No. Uh, I'm no. But Does, is see, it, but is it because thing, being over is over? Or? No, no. But one thing about uh, getting old in the business, you gotta go. you got to go with the flow. Understood. Actually, actually... Aren't Cassie's a hell of a work? Right, I okay. understand that. We're in, we're in, we're in the entertainment business, and Vince done told everybody that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not here to insult anybody's intelligence. Uh, I'm not here to do stuff like that. You know, everything's a hard road. But see, as Orange Cassidy being a regular wrestler, where do you go? But when Orange Cassidy stuck his hands in his pockets. He went to the top, bro. Yeah, is that gimmick sustainable, though? No, it's not. What's it's not that? A, it's not a sustainable gimmick. Is, is it, yeah, you is can't it, sustain that gimmick. Yeah, okay. Oh, and back then it wouldn't have worked. But, but I'm just saying. Your buddy Cornette if, just if, absolutely loves Orange Cassidy. If, oh, boy. If, he kills him. If you had great workers this, this time. Jim Cornette. Because I understand. I love to work with him. Because I understand his gimmick. Sure. Understood. But see, a lot of the guys he works don't understand his gimmick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of our business that I like to teach people. Uh, 
I actually, to me, we have, you know, everybody, you know, your opinion is like your ass. Everybody's got it. But it's good. I like it. Honestly, it's a very original thing he came up with, obviously. Okay. Who on earth is doing at least, that? You know, you got to give him that. At least he's different. Absolutely. And at least he don't look like everybody else. That's very true. And that, that's what I'm trying to right. make a point of. Right. Uh, but Mike thinks he was uh, changing his towels at the swim club. That's what he thinks of when he looks at Orange now? Cassidy. He doesn't see any image when he looks at Orange Cassidy. He just looks like another another guy, you know. Somebody um, you could take, huh? Huh? Somebody you could take. Exactly. That's you, what you he's getting want, at. You yeah. don't want the wrestler that you're looking at going, yeah, I could kick that yes. guy's ass. I don't I, think I don't that ever, by the way. I mean, I never I mean seriously. That. He thinks that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, i got to say this for him. It's... You know, that's a lot of balls down out of that rope with no hands. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of balls coming off that top rope. Go to Circus Olay, then. <laughs> circus Olay! Go to the circus. I mean, well, you know, well, I mean, but look at the wrestler today. <laughs> Fuck, they need to put trapeze shit up or above the ring, because that's all it looks like. Pretty much. Did you guys... you know, I'm going to beat you up, So, but, but hold on. Stand there, because I'm going to go on the top rope. I'm going to do a triple Lindy and hit you with my no, toe. No, I promise you and, I'll move. Uh, I would hope so. <laughs> I would move. hope so. I would hope so. Did you guys... Catch any uh, crap when you were, you know, you accepted the WWE Hall of Fame induction? Look, we go at it all the time with one type of uh, fan, the Vince McMahon hater, who's obviously an old school territory territory loyalist. Did you guys catch any crap for accepting Vince's induction, considering you didn't do work with Vince? Uh, Anybody say to you, oh, what are you doing going to Vince's Hall of Fame? Any kind of crap like no. that? Because I thought it was the greatest compliment ever. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody, sure everybody, everybody, absolutely. Gave, everybody gave us support going. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, were you surprised? Were you surprised when you got the call? And see, now you stop to think about this. We didn't work for WWE. Right. But they put us in their Hall of Fame. What are they trying to sell the people out there? It's one of the greats. That in our time... Robert and I were the greatest baby faces. Absolutely. And it's work. No, let me tell you guys something. Now, at the Performance Center, where they have their trainings, what do you think they do there? And you know, because it's it's a lot more than just going there, and getting in a ring. So they have classes where they show tapes. What tapes do you think they say? Vince Batman says, "All right, watch Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson here." <laughs> okay. Do you understand me? Yeah, watch sure. the tapes showing her Yeah, watch this tape. Watch yeah, Ricky Morton sell. Watch Robert right. Mitz would do it. And again, another compliment to you guys. We talk about this all the time. Today's wrestler is small. Okay, you guys. Today's are wrestlers on, are what? Are small. A lot yes. of them. Smaller. Yes, smaller. I got you. You guys were on the smaller end, but you always played big. Yes. I always believed that you could take on an Akita Koloff and beat him. Absolutely. Because we, we use that speed. You but know, see. Speed. Now, the, now, now, thank you for saying that, because that was back then. That was called working. That was psychology. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Now, and and I'm gonna go off here on a whole. I'm a I'm a squirrel jumping over here to this limb again. Now, Jerry Lawler was great at telling stories, but to me, the greatest of all times, the the. the Greatest world heavyweight champion. Ooh, okay. It's Ric Flair. Without a doubt. Now, because I'm going to tell you, Rick, you know, a lot of people think sometimes, I heard some of the guys say, well, he does some of the same things in the ring. Well, hell, when you go an hour every night, it's only some. <laughs> but I had the opportunity to do an angle with Ric Flair. Absolutely. 
Now, have you ever been a, and Robert and I were big baby faces in Charlotte, but to go out to the ring as a big baby face, where half the people were cheering me and half the people are cheering Ric Flair. Okay, that's in Charlotte. Now I'm going to get to that in a second, but now I go to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the biggest hill town I ever been in my life. I don't think them people even like ice cream. You know, they hate. They don't like Santa Claus. We they know that. Hey, I know. Yeah. They hate everything. Oh yeah, they're rough. I'm wrestling Rick in Philadelphia. We're going sixty minute match. I don't know this until I get in the ring because that's how sacred our business was. We did it every night. I expected it. I got in the ring, and referee goes, you're going 60 minutes, Broadway. So, but with Rick, I go to the ring first. And, dude, I'm called everything in the world. That's throw what I said at me. Beep, 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 beep. I get in the ring. Boom, And here comes Rick Flair. Holy shit, this building is erupted. It's going crazy. All right? And here comes Rick in the rink. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. In 10 minutes in the match, he done turned half the people. Okay? 20 minutes in the match, he done turned them all. They are throwing shit. They are, and all of a sudden, they push the guardrails all the way to the ring. Robert and Arn Anderson are watching. They come down to the ring, man, because they well, and I'm taking bumps, knocking people off the ropes. It's trying to come in the ring and get Rick. Now we're supposed to go an hour, and uh, he uh, told me he says, "Ricky, man, he says I'm gonna have to do something." He said, "They people gonna kill me. <laughs> I, I got to get out of here." Mm. Okay. He, he did this spot. I think he threw me over the top rope over where you were. For me and Robert could get to the attention of the crowd. Right. For him and Arn. Slip not to a... go back to the, with the way they come. They went through a side <laughs> Slip door. Slip out the other way. Out. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you see what we're talking about here? It's not his ego. He's a heavyweight champion of the world. He's wrestling me. He changed the whole people in the building. It wasn't about him. It was about our match telling that story of where were we going mm-hmm. with this story. You see, that's how come he was the greatest heavyweight champion of all times. And when you paid to see Ric Flair, he gave you your money's worth. He didn't give a shit. I mean, if you didn't go, I'm, well, it's just like this in, in the house shows. I mean, if you didn't go an hour, you went 58 minutes. Mm. He made sure you got your money's worth. And I don't care if he was sick, you know, and Rick partied. You know, I mean, we'd be stay out at 5 o'clock in the morning, and then you look out by the swimming pool at the hotel at 7 o'clock in the morning. He's out there doing free squats mm. as well. Wow. Uh, but, see, that's what we were talking about, what our businesses got away from. And it ain't what it's got away from. It's because you don't have trainers in our business that can teach these guys this. 
I teach my school, I said, look here guys, y'all in your training, if y'all don't sell in the ring, yeah. how do you expect the people to sell? Yes, if you're not selling, right. they ain't going to sell. And can I tell you this? It's real simple. This, and I'm not patting ourselves on the back. It's a lot of difference when you work in our business, you get to this level. Or did you get to this level? Did you get to this level? But let's stop here. There ain't a few of us that been to this level. Mm -hmm. We didn't have contracts. You hear me? Mm -hmm. The whole territory depended on me and him and the Midnight Express. To make everybody money. To make to everybody make money. Right. And if you can't believe that, if you know George South, ask him. Mm -hmm. So speaking In Charlotte, of, we bought him a house. Speaking mm -hmm. of that, though, uh -huh. we, lost, we lost Crockett Jr. late last year. Yeah. Um, Ronnie Garvin was in here before you. And I, I'm going to pose the same question to both of you. Crockett gets blamed for screwing up the, the territory and then just falling apart and going bankrupt. Garvin felt that Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair were doing so much business for themselves, they've cost all you guys that territory. What is your feeling on that? Well, the worst thing they ever did, and, and I'm serious. The worst thing they did, because we're getting back to it, we, you know, we didn't always get along with with Dusty, and uh, but it wasn't with Rick and them. Uh, they tried to pull the ego tricks on us, and we fought back. And the worst thing they ever did was fire me and Robert. When they fired me and Robert three months later, they went bankrupt. Well, let's back up a little bit before they fired us. Jim Crockett came down to Louisiana. He said, the only reason I'm down here is to watch y'all guys wrestle. That's before they brought us Rick in the territory. Rick Flair said y'all was the greatest thing ever. And y'all popped Louisiana, drew more money here. Jim Crockett said, we'd like to have you in our territory, but our territory is not doing too good. He said, we'll bring you up here, we'll give y'all well, a chance it, for the world title." And titles. he told us we're fixing, he's fixing to go nationwide. Yeah, anyway, we go to Louisiana and show our tapes. We get the Carolinas. They play out tape two weeks before we get there and we never saw a bad house everywhere we went was sold out everywhere so, we so went. we go to raleigh our first night there we do forty eight thousand dollars and the biggest record before that was blackjack mulligan and flair they drew twenty seven thousand mm. our first night was forty eight wow dusty calls in the office the next got next day he said guys that's like Babe Ruth. that record will never be broken we go back two weeks later, we do 56. And that's like crazy. Okay, then we go back again. We do 70-something thousand. 70-something. Yeah. 70 something. yeah. And, then, and then we start off so know, we with a different thing. So we went 27,000 to 72,000. But to Garvin's point, he said, you guys are doing these house shows. Are you making this money? Meanwhile, all the money on the planes for Flair and Rhodes were being spent out the side door. Well, well uh, Looking for that, though, they didn't even have no airplanes. Mm. They didn't get airplanes until no. we got there. Mm. Bill, See, Watts, Bill Watts never had an airplane until we went there and broke his tour. He bought planes. Yes. Mm. We left Louisiana. What happened? Territory sold out. They let us go. They let us go in Crockett. Three months later, he's out of business. Mm. You see, it, it, it's it's a part about when you got something going, and it, it was egos. It was egos. There. Yeah, Dusty told us one time he called us in, guys. There's two things you don't do in this territory. What's that, Dusty? Y'all do not sell out the Charlotte Coliseum, and I'm not on the card. Hmm. Yes. Wow. But, but, <laughs> wow. but 
It was good, though. See, <laughs> I can tell you this. They had an A team and a B team. Okay. Oh, Dick Murdoch. <laughs> okay. Now, the B team was Robert and I because we were over so much that our underneath card was nobody. Okay, the A team was the big boys, Magnum TA, Dusty, Flair, uh, all them guys. They'll be in the big towns, Baltimore, and we're in the smaller towns. Now listen to me, we're in the smaller towns, and the towns that we went to that they normally have in the regular buildings, we had to go out to the football fields because it was so many people. Mm. I, I remember we went by Monday then we didn't go by t attendance. I, I remember that on a Sunday afternoon they had everybody in Baltimore. And Robert and I were in Charlotte, and I think they did a $21,000 house, and we did a $108,000 house yeah. in Charlotte. You see, uh, with no help, and that was it. Dick Murdoch did something, and they told Dickie, so they put Dickie yeah, on, the put on the B team. <laughs> so Dusty asks Dickie, he goes, "Do you want you ready to come back to the A team?" He said, "Well, hell no! I'm gonna stay on the B team. You make triple the money on the B team." <laughs> so why why did you guys get fired then? What happened? Because uh, we there's some, two things you don't do. Well, it was an ego thing going on. It was an ego thing going on. Oh, my God. And then we were fixing to shoot a big angle. Okay. And Dusty got mad at me about something. But we're fixing to shoot a big angle where they're going to cut my hair. What? You know, yes. Leave well, the hair big angle, buddy. Oh, my God. Well, they no, just going to clip it, cut my hair back Just a little. Here. Just a little. <laughs> just a little. But he didn't like something. And then he wanted some team just to beat us. He, he told the finish, just beat them and get them out that way. But I didn't, I didn't, uh, it's really my own fault, too. Okay, I, I let them beat us. But I just, after they beat us, I jumped up and did the strut across the room at about three seconds. Yeah, the match didn't go three minutes. So they fired us over. <laughs> but you know, uh, Jimmy Crockett and, and David, they all told me a hundred times. So the worst thing they did was fire y'all. Worst thing. They even had ads in the papers in that territory. Lost and found. Where's the, the Rock the, and the Roll the Express? News. Where's the Rock and Roll Express at? Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm bullshitting you. Wow. And, uh, this went on. That's you guys were on milk cartons. I mean, was, huh? was like you guys were on milk cartons, missing. Yes, the rockets. Yeah, Rockets. Cro Crockett was explaining. Oh, we're still talking to him, and then they come back and said, "No, mm. Rock Roll Express had left." What's wow. that? Crockett was putting off excuses where we were at. Yeah, they finally come out and said, "No, they have left the building." Yeah. Mm. So uh, and then and I'm serious. We were hot there, buddy. I mean, really we hot. We were so hot, we had to have but, cops park in front of a house, keep the fans away. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. oh, yeah, I bought a house in Charlotte. Okay. But I bought it outside of town when nobody knew. Look I here. I private security. And I'm, a, I'm you, know. you know, I'm in my room, when, and I, I hear something, and I tell them, I said, what is that? I open my front door up to my house, and I got 600 people out there in my front yard. What? Look here. Yeah. All my flower pots are gone, oh, and people are getting souvenirs. How'd you get the police? 
Wow. To come down, but then they then they, they had a fence put around it, and then I had to, you know, the cops come by my house four or five times a day. Unreal. Serious. So no, we, no, you know, no one was hotter than you guys. I told you I was in Louisiana. I came oh, down. God. I think when I was there, I think Turner might have bought the organization, so the house shows were not what they were. Like, I walked in, there was kind of light, but, I mean, you guys we were, were... We were WWE guys, and... Yes. We used to talk when we were much. We were like, "When are they bringing these guys up? What's going on here? When are these guys coming I, I to the never territory?" Never understood why we never yeah, saw but see, you. No, I, but you look at WWE and, and and they see they go to they come to your town what once a year and they don't sell out. Now we read the table a week and sold it out of a week. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? I know times have changed and there's so right. much more on TV and right. everything, but. We had their attention. Back right. in the day, Memphis would do 10,000 people every Monday night. But again, you guys were superheroes. There's the difference. You were superheroes. You weren't Orange Cassidy. I don't mean to make this yes. an Orange Cassidy <laughs> thing. You are superheroes. All right, we got about five minutes left. All right, what do you got, buddy? Uh, you know, they say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery, so I always found it very interesting. You guys work, you know, in the AWA, of course, uh, the Rockers. How did it feel to see the Rockers are you guys? I mean, when they started off, it was like, here's the, you know, how did you in, in feel Lu about that? In you Louisiana, know? Uh, Shawn Michaels used to ride in the back seat with us. He was just Shawn Michaels. I remember the first time we did a scaffold match in Louisiana. We are in uh, St. Uh, Charles. Charles, was it? Lake Charles. Lake Charles. Anyway, they setting up the, the big old the scaffolds and Sean went out there and he climbed up that halfway up and he come back down and he goes, Hell no. <laughs> so oh, okay, he said, Hell but, no. but listen nope. to me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> like no well, they became the Midnight Rockers. Right. It was a compliment to me. Sure. Sean sure. is a friend of mine. Sure. He's a friend of Robert's. You hear me? Marty was a friend of ours. Sure. I, I really... And, and don't I get remember me coming wrong. in there. I don't know what happened to Marty. Marty just I, just. I know he punched me in the face when he was in. He studio. did punch him in the face. Yeah, that's really? a whole other yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. Story. yeah that's I mean, the floor was a lot I, of fun. I just yeah. don't know. I know I had my bad times in my life. You know where I went through a. Mm -hmm. You know I, I'm, I'm not lying to you. Sure. I, you know I did cocaine. I'm not lying to you, but I didn't know what happened. I know. That was a great compliment to us. I so, love Mark. I, I know the boys used to say, hey, man, y'all better not be wearing that bandanas. Me and Rick walked in and, hey, I don't give a damn. Y'all can wear them. We don't, you don't oh, bother yeah. us. Go ahead. Sean, uh, here, I said, man, that's cool, bro. Yeah, that's a compliment. But you Where know what? And we worked at a, a little deal with them out of Memphis. And we did good business. Yeah. We had great matches with You know, Martin, i got to say this now. Sean Michael's a hell of a worker. Uh, he, he's of course. He's a hell of a worker. Of course. Yeah. Did you see the greatness coming? Bad, because Sean Michaels. Sean was great. Did you see the greatness back back then that was coming for him? Were you surprised when he became such a superstar? This right. guy's one of the greatest of all yeah. time. Yeah, Sean. I mean, us, I do. I watch. How about Marty back in those days? Marty was. I love Marty. Marty's good. Marty was yeah. fabulous back What's in those that? days. Marty. Marty was good. Yeah, Marty was great. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 but I just don't know. He's a little out there though. Yeah, I, I gotta get in. I gotta get in my 
my typical free bird question. What uh, was it like working with the free birds and Michael Hayes, Buddy Jack Roberts, and Terry me, Gordon? Me and Michael Hayes used to hit Jack to the TV station together at Centurino. They grew up together. Really? You yeah, grew up with Michael Hayes? I get Michael Hayes his first Did you guys job. have measuring contests and stuff like that? You know, because you're legendary. I'm assuming Michael Hayes has been around the block, you know. Like, <laughs> I get Michael Hayes his first job sitting in the ring. Yeah. Wow. Really? I was, I was the head of the ring crew. Michael, really? Yeah. Michael, for his he, time, he, he was one of the greatest station. talkers ever. I really believe Without that. Doubt, yes, I, I felt like he could have been world champion. Now, he we debate about this all the time. I felt like he, he was wasn't the greatest worker. Right. Okay. okay. But I'm not getting me wrong. He drew money. Okay. But... He could talk, but boy, he could talk. How about Terry Gordy? You know, and, and Michael don't have no. He when you're in the ring with him, you be his partner, he, he, and he don't have any. Know that you're his partner. You be standing beside him, look, <laughs> pow, <laughs> you know, boom, hits you there. You know, Terry Gordy was so big, he started wrestling. He was like 16. Yeah. Yes. And Terry was a phenomenal worker. He was a oh, for God. big guy. Oh yes, Loose. he was. No, yo, he started working before he was 16. Hell, he was a heavyweight champion at 16 years old. I think he started working at 14. He was big like it then. Big dude. This is a difficult question, but how does it feel watching all these guys that you've worked with pass away? All these wrestlers pass away. I mean, does it rip your heart apart? I mean, we lost Road Warrior Animal. You know, just losing all these guys. Listen, dude. These guys. It's a different whole... Different whole thing in our days. We were the boys. We didn't have contracts, and we depended on each other to make a living. You know, nowadays the guys get hurt for events. Well, they're on contracts. How they go home for six months? We still had to work. Yeah, we didn't show. We didn't get paid. And and then when you worked with them, and if you was hurt, I promise you, nobody knew you were hurt. Because we knew how to work around it, and we had to take care of it. You know, Mike and Joe, Animal and Hawk, loved these guys. I mean, I absolutely, because you don't know what all we've done and we've been through together. Mm. Uh, and not only them, just so many of the boys that, that died, and ones that nobody even thought think about like killer tim brooks mm. i don't know if you he, you know Absolutely. he passed away mm-hmm. but when i was a kid in texas he took care of me he at that time he taught me how to to work and, and make me better you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. and everybody helped each other yes and and, and nowadays they don't give a shit but they was with my these were my friends and, and i hadn't really told many people about this uh my birthday was September the 21st, and Joe calls me, and he wishes me a happy birthday. I, I'm going to see him Saturday in Jackson, and uh, we're talking, and, and, and the next day was his anniversary, and he was telling me what him and his wife were going to go do, you know, and I'm joking with him, and, but i never forget this, man. He says, Ricky... Uh, I called her, you know, when we came, he said, Ricky Morton, I love you. And I said, Joe, I love you too. And he said, I see you Saturday. And he died the next day in his wife. You see, that's things that's really hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's emotional. And and I'm the kind of guy, I, I don't go to funerals. I remember you as you were. You know, and it's even like I told my wife, I says, if I die, and I don't have no funeral. 
I do not have no funeral. I don't want nobody to come see me dead. Uh, and 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 it burned me up. Spread my ashes wherever you want to. Uh, I don't like that. Uh, so it's not disrespecting anybody over that. But I, I want to remember you as you were. It's a lot of hard times in this business, guys, that, that the crowds don't understand. It's a lot of things that you don't understand, how we depended on each other, how we loved each other. Uh, back then, you didn't fight. You understand me? You cut, you know, you, you have, if you had a problem, you just cut an interview on them, and it was over with. Nowadays, they want to beat you up and kill you. And, well, hell, when they wrestle you in the ring, they beat you up and kill you. You know, and guys get beat up in the ring, they don't know they got beat up. Because they're used to working so stiff and having no clue. <laughs> Tell these boys today, hit me hard as you can. Why? Say, because your working punch is killing me. Yeah. You know, it's they have no clue of what they're doing in the business. And if you want to learn, why don't you come and see me and Robert? Yeah. I promise you, uh, anybody out there, you come to my school, and in one day I can teach you more than you learned in the last five years. That and I'm not bullshitting you. That I believe. I believe it. I've had many students tell me that. Huh? I've had many students tell me that. Hell, I've learned yes. more here today than I learned all two years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, I do seminars a lot all over the country. And the guys tell me, said, damn, I didn't realize that. I said, yeah. Is that I, damn easy? You know, I, mean, I didn't know it was like that. I said, dude, you don't. And I'm serious. Well, I, I was settling this earlier. You know, you don't got, you know, you watch the guys. You go to wrestle match and you'll see seven million chops. And the reason they do that, too, because the people at the first two matches, they start doing the Ric Flair thing. Woo, woo. But after the fourth or fifth match, when they done seen it seven million times, they don't give a shit no more. Yeah, those woos are not so enthusiastic. After. You know, well, you I got, don't chop. Uh, you got a lot of well. fans congratulating <laughs> you guys on making it to the Hall of Fame. Upcoming. Thank you. We want to thank you guys for coming in. We're out of time. Uh, you guys bro, are fantastic. You. God bless um, icons in the business. Thank you for what you've done hey, to, for the thank fans. You, Bonnie, you said one thing there that I really appreciate a lot. You said God bless. Uh, it, no matter, I'm Ricky Morton, but I'm a firm believer that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I'm a firm believer in that. And everybody that's out there, through my whole career, I always took Jesus Christ with me. Yes, I'm crazier than a horse with no neck. But I never forgot my faith. Rubber didn't either. And that's the reason I think that Rubber and I were so successful as we were. Faith in that and faith in all our fans. Amen. Thank you very Amen. much. We never forgot where we come from. Careers on the road for years. Amen. All right, if you didn't know it, you're watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV. Catch us on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page, Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Catch us on New York Cable on Channel 115 and Channel 20. Again, want to thank the Rock and Roll Thank you. We, you all. Guys, keep rocking. Thank you. All right. Hey, and if the music's too loud, you're too damn old. <laughs> <laughs> You've been watching Monty and the Fire, and until Thursday, later.